there is an ancient saying, Chinese in origin, that proclaims even a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Our passage today, the call of the first disciples, has a series of steps, different things that Jesus challenges Simon to do. before that moment when Simon Peter recognizes the call that is upon him. But it's no small chance that Jesus asks Simon to take the boat out because there's already been a series of steps. There's already an established relationship. They've already met a number of times. In John's Gospel, Andrew hears John the Baptist speak of Jesus as the Lamb of God. So he calls his brother Simon to come and to meet the Messiah, to meet with Jesus. Then in Luke's Gospel, between where Dan had us last week with a crowd at a cliff edge near Nazareth, and today's passage, Jesus has moved to Capernaum where he's continued teaching and healing and showing signs of the kingdom. During that time, he goes to the synagogue and then home to the home of Simon and brings healing to Simon's mother-in-law who had been suffering a fever. Simon had been a follower for days. He's seen God's power already and heard the preaching. But something is yet to happen that will see him become a disciple. There has to be another step. The night had been hard. There'd been no fish that were caught. And Simon must be feeling tired, and maybe a little bit demoralized as he cleans rubbish from the net and prepares it for the following night. Sand, weeds, small stones all need clearing out as they can cause damage to the net and make it more visible to the fish. The washing and checking of the net is no doubt So the daily routine for Simon, but having to do it without having caught any fish at all, without having anything to sell, must surely be wearing. And Jesus is teaching on the shore, probably lifts the spirit a little. So we can imagine a willingness to help as Simon is asked to put the boat on the water to allow a natural amphitheater to form giving space for the crowd to see and hear Jesus rather than them all pressing up close around him. The boat out moves things forward and the teaching continues for a time. But then Jesus comes to a natural end. The crowd in time will disperse, but Jesus doesn't ask to be taken back to the shore 
he gives another step. He says, now let's go out further. Let's go out further. Take it out to the deeper water. Keeping things as they are is not the way of Jesus. He always challenges us as his people to grow and to change. When individual in their life of faith, whether it's as the church, if we're complacent, unhappy to be static in our life, then that life will be like water that ceases to flow. And in time, we'll have a, a sense of stagnancy. We must each in faith push out further. We must each take on that new challenge. Simon complies. He, he even humors the carpenter's son by agreeing to throw the net out again. The fisherman had caught nothing in the night. He won't catch anything now in the daylight, will he? Not in the clean water of the lake, where the net will be seen. And what will happen? Well, the fisherman will have to pull it in and then wash it again. More labor. How much work for nil return? If anyone else had suggested to Simon to throw the net out, he in response would probably have told them to sling their hook or maybe not put it in quite so polite terms. Throw the net. You've got to be joking, but it's Jesus. And he complies. There are times we are maybe tired. We're worn down with work and the things of life, our family issues, our health, our finances, our concerns about the world. But we still need to be listening for what Jesus is saying to us. about what we should be doing new. And perhaps when he does say something, it doesn't make much sense to us. We've done that before. It's a waste of time. Any idiot knows that's a silly idea. What are you asking that for, God? Or maybe we're saying, I can't do that because I'm just not able. But even in our weakness, even in our weariness, God will know what is good and right for each one of us and how we should respond. Simon Peter had had a long night. He's tired, but he humors the Lord. Okay, just because it's you, not for anyone else, out goes the net. He expects nothing in return. It's not really done with much faith there, even though he trusts something of Jesus. But with his friends, he hauls in an abundance 
of fish. So much that they can barely get it into the boat. So much that the boat sits low in the water. And is actually in danger of sinking. And this is where the big step change comes for Simon. Not in the action of the miracle itself. It's not that he was very sick and has been healed. That's not it. He willingly took the boat out to the deeper water, but now in a non-nautical way, feels out of his depth. Simon sees the teacher in the boat for who he is and examines his own life as a result. It's one thing to listen to the teaching and even to experience a miracle, but another to see who we are in relation to the Christ. Many are spoken of in the Gospels as seeing great miracles, perhaps themselves being healed, but not all of them see Jesus as the Son of God. Not all of them see him as the Messiah, the Christ. I am a sinful man, Peter says. He recognizes his unworthiness in the presence of Jesus. I'm a sinner, he says. And so am I, and so are we, and so is the world full of sin. Humanity is sinful in nature. We all do things wrong in the eyes of God, and that causes separation and death. But with a true encounter with the Lord, life becomes different. Simon had already seen God's Holy Spirit at work in Jesus. He'd seen his mother-in-law healed. He would have heard the teaching in the local synagogue on the Sabbath too, as well as the teaching by the lake and even from his boat. But suddenly in his everyday place, everything comes alive when he realizes who he himself is and that he is in the presence of God. Too often, we see a, a sacred secular divide, a thought of coming to the church, but we are the church 24-7 scattered in our homes, scattered in our schools, our shops, factories, offices, wherever we go during the week, sat in the cinema or walking the dog, stood at the school gate and playing with children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren. We who recognize we are sinful but yet in Jesus get restored to eternal life through the forgiveness that he offers at the cross. We are the church, and so our challenge to live for Jesus, to be his disciples, to do his will and seek his truth. And this is something we'll be thinking more of as a church and more of and more of in the months ahead as we engage in the LICC Learning Hub, the, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. 
seeking to become whole life disciples, growing in faith and in the world, but yet not of it. What fear, I wonder, must enter Simon's heart at the time of the catch? But Jesus is there. That's part of what's fearful. But how does Jesus respond? Don't be afraid. The familiar words given by the Lord and his angels throughout time, words directly said to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to Joshua, to Gideon, to the prophets, to Mary, to Joseph, to shepherds on the hillside, don't be afraid. Throughout this book that's here in the lectern, don't be afraid in the presence of God. It's right to have fear in the sense of reverence, knowing our place, but in the presence of Jesus, we're not to be afraid, for God is love and cares for all. God wants the best for our lives. He wants everyone to know life in its most wonderful fullness. And it's with this in mind we must hear anew the call given to Simon unaccepted by his partners in the boats. You will fish for people. That's a call to us too. But note that it's not a request. It's not come and you will you? You know, it's not will you, it's but you will. You will. He's saying what's got to happen. It's a statement. And accepting Christ as the Lord, the Son of God, takes us straight into requirement to be obedient and to be the people who will. Now, the wording of the call obviously played on the idea of the work of being fishermen. And you could see by my example earlier that I'm not a very good fisherman, even with something that I made at home, you know. But the phrase has a bit of wordplay in it. Fishers don't always catch fish. You know, whether it's somebody at the riverbank with their rod, or whether it's Simon the night before this passage, casting the net out. He's a fisherman, but he didn't catch anything. They'd fished unsuccessfully. They'd caught nothing. But what Jesus says to them is not as simple as our English translation, to fish. To, to fish? To fish. To them, he said something more like, you will catch people alive. You will catch people alive. At the fishmongers, be it a specialist shop or the van that comes round the village or the counter in the supermarket, at the fishmongers, 
the caught fish out of water are dead. Aren't they? They don't last long after their removal from the net. And that was particularly true in the first century when they weren't going to get put on ice or in water, laid on the deck of a boat in the Mediterranean sunshine. They're not going to last long. But for the people who will be caught alive by the action of Jesus' disciples, sharing the good news of the kingdom, these lives will be saved for eternity. And this is true for us if we are disciples. And for those who receive the good news from us and choose to make Christ their Lord, we're saved for life. We don't die. As disciples, we, like Simon, need to know that although we are a sinner, we need not be afraid of life because we're loved by God. As disciples, we need to be committed to serving Jesus. And that means responding to his call and sharing his love with others. As disciples, we may not have an easy life. There might still be serious difficulties we encounter. We might still suffer. There's... But we can know life in all its fullness all the same in a most incredible way. At the end of the passage... As the new disciples walk ashore, leaving boats and nets and a huge quantity of fish behind for their families and friends to sort out, or maybe Luke was using a bit of poetic license there, as they abandon their old jobs, we see the beginning of the disciples' journey around Galilee and beyond. We see the beginning of them taking more and more steps, steps of learning and trying and sometimes getting it right in the process and sometimes getting it wrong. There have been many steps for Simon. And in our lives too, there will have been many different steps. And for those that we know who don't know the Lord Jesus yet, there's steps for them too. We have to remember that the journey begins in small steps. It begins with a kindled relationship that grows as more of Jesus is seen. So for his kingdom to grow, may we always reflect God's love and journey in his way. Amen.